Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget with my partner Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. And we have a special guest today, Kevin. We sure do. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to mention a few things uh, about you and then uh, let you kind of take it away from there. So uh, I'll say that I, I came across this uh, this woman on Instagram, uh, of all places, um, saw a video of her calling Cadence and marching some of her recruits and uh, and uh, felt an, a, a need to reach out to her and, and say, hey, uh, we need to we need to talk on a podcast and she uh, agreed to do it. Um, her name is Kat Karamitros, and uh, then here she is. Hey, hey, Hello. welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Worst intro ever, right? No, it wasn't so bad. I've had worse. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, I'm really glad that, you know, we were able to stumble across each other on Instagram. I think you originally reached out to me through my author account, which I yeah. actually don't check as often. So I kind of felt bad that the request is a little bit stale once I got to it, but I, I'm glad that we were able to follow up on it and, and get this hooked up. So I'm, I'm excited to be chatting with you guys and, um, you know, just get a new perspective out there and maybe answer some questions people have been asking, but didn't know how to ask or haven't heard it from like a female perspective. So I'm, I'm pumped about this, uh, this conversation. So, yeah. Uh, so let me, let me, let me say, um, it would have been probably better to put this in the introduction, but multiple reasons why I wanted you on the show, right? Um, first of all, like you're the first, I actually technically officially the, you'll be the, the second Marine on the show, but the first Marine, uh, female, um, drill instructor, uh, for the United States Marine Corps, um, author, um, you've written a book, a children's book. Um, and I've actually got some, uh, a, a kind of a surprise. I don't know if it's a surprise. It's, I, I maybe it's a surprise. I don't know. I, but I did a thing in regards to your book. So when we get to that, I'll, I'll tell you about it. But, um, and then, uh, nothing bad. And then, uh, I don't know, you, you seem like a very talented person, uh, after, after, after you're kind of creeping, uh, both of your accounts, like, I mean, like you're, you're very, a creative person, an artistic person. And, uh, I thought, man, we definitely need this kind of person on the show because, and I, I actually, after looking at some of the, um, your highlights and some of your, uh, as you call, uh, unpopular opinions, I'm like, absolutely. We need to have this person on the show. Um, cause I kind of dig unpopular opinions because they're generally right. And, uh, so yeah, uh, definitely like all of those things, like you, I think you have a lot that you, uh, uh, can say and want to say, and I, a lot that I feel like needs to be said. Great. Oh, great. And yeah, I, I'm excited to, to be able to say those things. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, right. um, Tyree, go ahead. He has his, he has questions. I have, uh, yeah. If you listen to the show, we have certain questions <laughs> that we ask everybody. This is my shtick. Uh, <clears throat> what was the reason that you joined the military? <laughs> so this is actually a question I've, I've been in for almost eight years now, and I feel like I still struggle to answer it because it was so multifaceted for me. Um, so I was, you know, I was young. I was 18 going through high school. Uh, I was very involved in the arts in high school, but I was also a cross country runner, track runner, um, just a kind of an overall athletic person. I have always had kind of a natural leadership capability and I love to teach and so naturally, my idea was to pay a bunch of money to go to college to get a teaching degree that I didn't like, right? Um, so I went to college for one semester. Um, I actually got a, a presidential scholarship to go to school, so I wasn't um, paying. But it was between it was that summer between high school and college where I realized that even with my presidential scholarship for that was good for two years, I was still going to be graduating 
with that four-year degree about, you know, minimum of $80,000 in debt. And I was just like, this is not a way to start my life. Um, and you know, some things I was just going through some adversity in my life as well. You got it, got that like late teenage angst on top of, you know, just genuine adversity from other things that were kind of residual earlier in my life. And all of a sudden, you know, I I started to joke with my friends, like, you know what, I'm going to just join the military and run off and everything will be paid for. And it was just a joke. And uh, one day my head kind of popped off my pillow when I woke up in the morning. I was like, what if I do it? <laughs> what if I really do it? What if you yeah. pull the trigger on this one, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I had, you know, my little brother at the time, he was maybe 14, 15. He had loved like all things Marine Corps. He had like posters and he talked about it a lot. He wanted to be like a Navy SEAL, you know, had all these like young military aspirations. I didn't even know that there were like different branches that this is how like military dumb I was. And so I went to my little brother and I was like, should I join the army? And I thought when I said joining the army, that that meant the military. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so he's like, yeah, you should join the air force. Cause you know, he was dogging me. He's like, you're a girl. Like you should, um, <laughs> you know, so I started to do some research and I started to realize the difference between the branches. And I was the kind of person that's like, well, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do, you know, the best and the hardest, you know, all, you know, one team, one fight to you army guys over there. But you know, so I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, how'd you end up in the Marine Corps then? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. So I I researched the Marine Corps. I filled out a little like um, info. Like there's a there was a thing where you could click to request info. Mm-hmm. I filled it out. I didn't realize a recruiter was going to call me within like ten hours. Um, so, but they did, and they were like, "We want some information from you, this and that." So next thing I knew, I was in the recruiter's office, and I um, actually acquired a language. Uh, or an Arabic language speaking and reading skill when I was in high school because I went to kind of a an advanced school. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, so originally they wanted to put me in linguistics for Arabic. Um, and after we kind of talked about that, and we, I was like pretty solid on that track. And then they found out that I was a musician. Um, I didn't know this, but musicians in the Marine Corps are like a, a unicorn. They're almost impossible to recruit because there's so many criteria that you have to meet. And it's really hard to get them to actually make it through all the preliminary requirements. Cause someone could be an amazing musician, but not military fit or not prepared to go through a military environment. Um, And so since I kind of walked in hot off the press, coincidentally meeting all those wickets and they sort of found out about it, you know, I was joking about being a band geek and they were like, Oh, so all that to say um, my contract got switched really quickly to band um and i was contracted on clarinet because that's where they had openings in the marine corps at the time went to meps got disqualified um medically disqualified worked some things out went back to meps uh meps got disqualified again and i had to get a waiver from like big big navy and finally i got accepted and in all of that meantime while i was waiting for all these waivers to go through that's when i started college um still following like the teaching kind of route and it was took one semester for me to realize that I was completely burnt out on school from my AP education in high school. And that this new kind of, there, there was a lot more um, to teaching than I had realized, you know, with kind of modern education and it just didn't yeah. really feel up my alley. And so it kind of worked out as soon as I was like burnt out on that semester, my stuff came back from the Navy. My recruiter called me. It was Thanksgiving of 2014. I'll never forget. He's like, today's Thanksgiving, tomorrow you're at MEPS. Um, and so I finally went and, and passed that time 
I was supposed to ship off six months later, but for females, they always have early openings because females are always dropping out of the Marine Corps, this and that. So I ended up, after I swore in that day after Thanksgiving, I ended up shipping out about two weeks later. Um, it was it was very fast, and <clears throat> I was all about it because I was ready to go. I was, you know, at that point, it had switched from a joke that I said with my friends, like, I'm going to join the military, to, like, it was my dream to become a United States Marine within that, you know, like, six-month or so period. Um, and, yeah, so the rest is kind of history. I went to boot camp in February of 2015, and uh, here we are. I'm back at Paris Island as a drill instructor, you know, six six years later, seven years later is when I got here to do that, so... Okay. Say that's that's a lot of a lot of steps and sticking with, you know, chasing that goal for it having started out as a joke. You know Absolutely, what I mean, right? yeah, that's pretty incredible. It's a lot of stuff yeah. going on there. The uh, um, how did you get? I'm sorry. I'm how did you get into uh, the the? How did you feel about learning the Arabic language as opposed to uh, Spanish or one of the more common ones? That's pretty well, pretty so, interesting uh, from a young person's pr- perspective, you know. Absolutely. So, you know, I was I've if you can't tell, I'm fairly strong-willed and a little bit rebellious. So, my dad had told me he's like, "Hey, take Spanish. I'll be able to help you with your homework. Mm-hmm. This and that." I was like, "Tight. I'm gonna take Arabic." And it was literally <laughs> that simple. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's literally all that happened. But it worked out great because the instructor that I had, she literally had just moved to the United States from Sudan, and so she had a very um, you know, natural and authentic accent. She didn't know much English. So it really was an immersion class for us and for her. Like it was, we taught her English. She taught us Arabic. And so we learned really well. And anytime I spoke with other Arabic speakers, you know, they would comment on my authentic accent and stuff like that because I wasn't learning from someone who like majored in Arabic in college. You know, I was learning from a a natural speaker, native speaker, excuse me. Um, And with that, you know, she was, she gave us so much knowledge. Not only did I learn like modern standard Arabic, but I learned different dialects uh, like Egyptian, Lebanese. I learned like with, with Arabic, it's kind of like, if you know the English alphabet, you might not know how to speak Spanish, but you can still read a majority of the words or kind of make it out. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how Arabic is to like, Pashto, Urdu, Urdu, Farsi, a um, couple other languages. So I gained reading skills in those languages, learned kind of the couple of unique other letters that accompany Farsi uh, versus Arabic and um, kind of gained my reading skills in those. So I was actually pretty marketable in language skills, which is why I was really surprised when they switched my contract out of linguistics um, in the very beginning. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, that is really cool. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of languages. I can't speak any. I mean, I mean, I know English, right? obviously but um like <laughs> our first contract i don't know if you know but like our first contract he and i were both stationed in germany and like i, I had already started kind of picking up on, on german on my own but i've never i've never formally taken lessons but in living there you know you're immersed and you're you're around native speakers and i always thought to myself i'm in their country it was, it's polite to like learn their language at the very least um right but like i i picked it up fairly quickly as far as like conversational german but it's definitely one of those like user lose kind of things um, it's been a minute. Um, like I'll hear words, I'm like, I know that word. I know what it is. I just can't think of it. So you just um, the same way, yeah. I'm the, the same way the, when I hear Eric now. Yeah, you're just sitting there staring at the German speaker like a psycho, just trying to figure out what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, but I, I do, I do love languages though. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's, I think they're really neat and like just the differences and and the similarities. I think are probably more interesting to me. But is that a thing? Um, that just just comes to mind, but like in, in Arabic, are there a lot? Of, are there are there any similarities to like English or Romantic based languages? 
Uh, I mean, definitely obviously not like the history English. <laughs> definitely not English. Yeah. Well, I, I guess in a transient way, English. So there's actually a lot of French influence in modern standard Arabic. So um, really? like television is literally television in Arabic and like telephone is telephone. Um, and then that sounds familiar to us, obviously, because English also kind of derives from some of those same roots. Um, but I would say that the most familiar language that we would be from, like that we could identify in similarity to Arabic would be French more than English. I have noticed though, a, lot, a lot of like modern words, kind of like television or telephone, whatever more modern words um, uh, across languages will, will have, you know, be close to the same word across the board. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Big, big fan of language stuff, but I want to ask you um, a little bit about the, the, you know, life in the Marine Corps. Um, I think we talked about this on the phone, right? Like when I went to drill sergeant school, um, you know, I used Marine Corps uh, drill instructor videos as like my primary source of motivation and like inspiration, things that, you know, folks to look up to because um, you guys are intense. And I don't mean like outside camping. I mean, you guys are insane. Yeah. <laughs> I look at well, YouTube you. videos of, of that and I'm like, God damn, that's fucking hardcore, man. Yeah. Like it scares the shit of me and I'm watching it on YouTube in a, you know, nice, comfy air conditioned room. Um, and you know, and, and don't be wrong. Like I, I was, I was afraid of my drill sergeants, but you know, I, I, I went the, we went the infantry route and, um, you know, infantry drills in the army, like they're, they're kind of known for being a little bit more, uh, intense than your average drill, but nothing compares to the shit that I've seen on the internet. Um, and I, you have to admit like, you're actually the first, uh, drill instructor I've ever spoken with. Um, so I'm actually pretty excited about it. about that, uh, but yeah, like, so like what, um, the Marine Corps though. So like you, when did you like, what, what, what was that life like? Like, uh, is it like what we always hear on the social medias? People bitch about it or is it great? Um, I mean, what's, what's, what's that, especially in the band, right? Like what, tell us about that world. Yeah, definitely. So I, I definitely had a very like nuanced experience because of my MOS, um, so, I mean, I guess it's multifaceted. It's hard to boil it down to just, like, one thing. Um, obviously, with every kind of war movie or or the stuff you see online, there's always something's been, like, Hollywood um, influenced on it, you know. But I would say that the Marine Corps, at least for me, is definitely one of those things where it's, like, not so much about the circus, but I'm all about the monkeys. Um, like, the <laughs> just the people that you meet and the memories that you have, they're just um, – and in, in even like those crappy moments where you're, um, you know, we did a range where it was just like 15 degrees outside. We were so miserable. And the entire 500 yard line was just a puddle. And so we're just laying in the water, firing off one round a minute for slow fire qualification. And we're just freezing. But somehow at the end of the week, like there were two guys from our shop that didn't get put on that range for whatever reason. And at the end of the week, somehow they were the ones feeling left out and like, because all of us had bonded over our misery and we're telling the stories from that week of how we got through it. And those guys at the end of the day felt left out. And I think that's kind of like a, a way to kind of relate how the whole Marine Corps experience is. Is It's like as crappy as some things can be, or like, you're just like, gosh, it's freaking midnight. And this guy wants to do us to do like another hour of patrol or whatever it is in the moment. It's kind of that, like, wow, I'm really doing this. But then you look back and it's like, Remember that time we did that crazy stuff? Yeah. And and um, I think, you know, there's there's some of that in every branch. But for the Marine Corps, we kind of have this, like, strange badge of honor where we, like, almost on purpose, oh, uh, completely on purpose, we present ourselves as, like, dumb and crayon eaters and, like, <laughs> like the, the most, like, goofy and insane branch. Um, and we definitely, like, we do stuff 
to hold up that that badge of honor. Um, yeah. You're just like you walk around the barracks on a Saturday night at the at in the Marine Corps, and you're just gonna see the wildest stuff. And it's yeah. it's all like endearing after a while. You've got a reputation to uphold, right? Like uh, everyone yes. knows the Marine Corps as you know um, the few, the proud. I, actually, I said that in our last uh, recording uh, with a guy who was uh, former Marine, and I guess I guess that's not how y'all like to be addressed. Truly, the few, the proud. Um, I mean, I guess it's more of like a, it's a commercial sort yeah. of thing. Although I will say among like the female um, population, it's, it's actually kind of the opposite. Cause we, we kind of coined the phrase, the fewer, the prouder. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we use, especially as drill instructors with our recruits um, to kind of drive home that point of like, there's not a lot of you. And if you want to be the fewer, the prouder, you have to like put in the effort yeah. to make that difference. You it, know, it's so much better than army of one. I agree. Yeah, well, <laughs> I agree. And, and army strong. We're army strong right now, you know. And I have to uh, a minor complaint, and I, I might get some blowback from this because I'm still in. But um, the army strong uh, motto, and then we keep adjusting the standards to our PT tests to make them uh, less and less challenging. Uh, it just, mm, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I, I, so I'm a master fitness trainer as well in my unit went to school for it and everything. And so I, I, I believe in fitness. Um, we have our, one of our, our manuals, a H2F, right? So, uh, um, holistic health and fitness, right? <clears throat> so it talks about like, it, it, it takes, it takes fitness from like three different standpoints, right? So like your, your physical, your mental and your spiritual. And if, if any one of those is, is falling short, then the other two will suffer or three or however the math works out. Um, and I, 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 I drank the Kool-Aid on it. I bought into it because I, I believe that that's true. Um, but you can't, you can't, um, reinforce, um, fitness and a healthy lifestyle. If you are also going to just be like, mm, no, it's a little too hard for everybody. We'll, we'll make it a little bit easier. So I just, I don't know. Uh, I have a big problem with the whole army strong thing. What was it back in the nineties? Be all you can be. Yeah. I, I'm down with that. That one's and, way better than Army of One. I'll give you that one. And Army <clears throat> Strong, be all you can be. Bring it back, baby. Yeah, but uh, and and I so saw what you said about um, the fewer the prouder, and how like you have to you have to earn that, um, because the, the military as a whole is a male dominant um career field or world or whatever you want to call it, culture, whatever you want to call it, and um, it is interesting. I I I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on that whole uh, uh, subject just because, you know, when it comes to like equality, for example, like it's just, you know, women are underrepresented in the military uh, and especially in the Marine Corps. And so you have to work harder, but should you though, like, shouldn't everybody, you know, ideally in this like perfect world, shouldn't everybody be treated the same and, and promoted on, on the proper merits and, and you, 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 you know what I mean? Like, am I making sense here? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, as you mentioned that a story comes to mind and, and I actually tell this story to my, um, my Marines. So we call them recruits until the crucible. And then the last two weeks of recruit training that we have them, we consider them to be Marines and that's how we address them. And we kind of change into more of like a mentorship role, like a genuine, like Sergeant to PFC Lance Corporal versus drill instructor to recruit. And so that's the time that I I take to kind of tell stories like this. And that was, so way back the way we do it, um, I guess you guys kind of have like AIT, we have MCT or ITB. Um, So following boot camp, you either go to like your infantry school or you go to just basic Marine combat training before you go to your job school. And 
your combat training is typically you're with a lot of people that you went to boot camp with because you're on the same training track. So uh, we had just finished our combat training. I think it was like three or four weeks and we were back. Uh, we were out of the field back at like home camp and um, we were doing like a kind of team building recreational PT, which for us involved like tug of war and the obstacle course, like the standardized Marine Corps obstacle course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the company first sergeant of that, that training company, he sat on, there's a wall. It's probably any, depending on where you go, six to eight feet tall. He sat on top of the wall. It's about halfway through the obstacle course. He's like, I'm going to sit on this wall until every Marine in my company gets over it. And most of the company, you know, went through fine. A couple of people had to run and, and do it twice, three times, whatever. But everyone got through, except for this one girl that I had gone to boot camp with. And um, I still remember her name. I won't say it here. But I remember the whole company was standing in formation in this field watching this girl run up to the wall and back and run up to the wall and back and not make it. This went on for like 45 minutes. Dang. And what I noticed was that all the males in that platoon pointed at her, despite having a whole squad of females shoulder to shoulder with them. Right. Mm-hmm. All of the males pointed at that girl and said, female Marine. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is that that's the standard. Like people pointed us and assume we're that girl running at the wall instead of assuming that we're the ones standing side to side, to side with them. Right. And, well, and, and yeah. well uh, not to cut you off, but like I also want to yeah, point sure. out one thing that this, that this Marine continued for 45 minutes to put in effort. I wonder how many of those males would have put in that same amount of effort in a similar challenge to them. Not you know many. I mean? That's a, that's a really good not point. many because who's going to make fun of them at that point. They, <laughs> the males make fun of the females. The males will, try to bring the males up if they need help. And I, I mean, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot things, of shit talking, you know? especially in, in that world. But yeah, I mean, you're, you, yeah. And that, that could be a possible thing, but like, I think, it, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that like, you know, she, despite not being able to, to meet that challenge the way that it was expected, she still put in as much effort as she could for 45 fucking minutes. That, that goes a long way. Like I, 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 I want that person on my team. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely says something about the nature of the training that we do and and how we go about our training to build that mindset, especially with females, uh, you know, not again, not to get like too political about it, but like there's a kind of a theme or a trend that people would tell you that Paris Island, like for females is more mentally gauged and for Mm -hmm. males, it's more physically gauged because with these women, you know, not only are we training them, you know, to wear the uniform and, and know basic Marine Corps knowledge and march and shoot it's a lot of these women come to us from just you couldn't imagine the situations a lot of times when they get to boot camp this is the first time they've had locked doors and a roof at night we get girls that don't know how to use utensils we get girls that don't know how to wash their laundry like we literally spend the first four days teaching them all of these things before we even hit training day one because this is Mm. and that's not to say that males aren't receiving um, you know, people from a similar situation, but where it's different for females is a lot of them are looking for a role model. They're, like this is like their last shot. This is the last yeah. thing that they can do before their life is like going to fall apart. And so we have that like extra role that at least I consider to be an extra role. Like not only do we make Marines, but we have to make like women, like strong willed, intelligent, like passionate and, and these, you know, strong willed women to do something like that. Um, to, you know, run at the wall for 45 minutes because it's just not an option to quit. Yeah. Like, it, it, like eliminate that from your vocabulary. And so that's, that's definitely something that we have to be like very skillful and like intentional about that, like throughout the entire recruit training process. <clears throat> yeah. 
No, I mean, and we, and we have, I mean, obviously we, we get similar folks in the army. Um, and when they come to me, we got to reteach them or reteach, reteach them everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've definitely had soldiers where you have to teach them how to do laundry. Um, I've had my female drill counterparts have to explain, you know, feminine hygiene products to certain females. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely is a thing, right? And yeah, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that about folks who join the military. Um, we don't always come from like the best background, right? I think people do understand that, but I don't think they understand what that means. Like how deep that actually goes, like kids that were effectively neglected their entire lives. Um, and they're just looking for a way out. Like, uh, you know, like w- w- the guys we recorded with last, uh, one of them was former Marine, the other one's, you know, a retired army. And, um, you know, it's kind of the, the, the same consensus is that like, you know, people are just joining, like sometimes they'll join the, the military just to get away from where they currently are to give them more options to open up the world to them or uh, education or whatever it is. And those are all great reasons to join. Um, but I think folks on the outside don't necessarily understand like what all it, you know, goes into that when they show up to basic training or boot camp and they have to learn how to do laundry. Like, what do you mean you don't do laundry? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I had um my my the last cycle I did uh, a couple of years ago uh well last full cycle I did I got I got told by, by some of my soldiers that uh drill sergeant you're you're kind of like a father figure to us <laughs> and you know I was you know mid thirties at the time I'm like don't do that I'm not <laughs> don't put that evil on me come, yeah come on yeah man. <laughs> absolutely and um we have a tradition at least in my company I don't I don't know that all drill instructors do this but. Um, towards the end of the cycle, like the couple days before the girls graduate, um, we'll put out notebooks for them and we're like, Hey, this is your opportunity. Like be a person. You don't have to use the boot camp jargon, lingo, whatever. Like if you want to tell the drill instructors something, this is where you write it. And then each drill instructor has a notebook and the girls can go through and, and say their piece basically to that drill instructor. And like you mentioned, it's incredible. Some of the things that they write things like, you know, I've never had a female role model, I never had a parent, whatever the case is. And it truly hits you that you not only are the perfect, like you're expected to be the perfect example of what a Marine is. But like I said, back to just that, like you're also an example to them of what a a woman is, you know, a woman that's like made it for herself and, and, um, you know, doing the thing the right way. And so that every time that I read that notebook at the end of the cycle, it's like the weight. I I really, really remember the weight of the burden that I bear and, and, I guess burden isn't the right word. I'd say responsibility yeah. um, because it's easy for us to forget when we're just day in, day out, day in, day out doing mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. thing. And, um, but it, you know, they get one boot camp, And so even though it's been, you know, fifth, sixth cycle for us and it's just groundhog day, it's just training day 20 all over again for us. Um, we have to remember that it's not for them and they get, they get it once. So. No, absolutely. And I, I have this, a big a big issue with uh the drill sergeants in the army who um you know maybe it is their second cycle fourth cycle fifth cycle whatever and all they do is just scream and yell and berate the soldiers right and you know just call them dummies and you're fucking stupid blah 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 how do you not not do this like well they just got here man like they are just now learning this. this is literally your job to teach these people this and here you are like being condescending um, I was actually having this conversation with the guy at work today about how, you know, there's this concept, uh, this, this old school concept in the army. I'm sure you guys have a similar thing, where like, Oh, we got to break them down before we can build them back up. And I don't, I don't think breaking someone down. I think there's a difference between breaking someone down and dissolving them. 
right? Into mm. little itty bitty bits that are just insignificant and ridiculous. I, I think breaking someone down is pushing them to the max, like pushing them to their limits and then showing them that that's not actually their limit. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that my drill sergeant did when we graduated uh, our basic training in our AIT um, is that, you know, he was a big stats guy, right? And he would keep track of like how many miles we ran, uh, how many push-ups we should have done, you know, estimated uh, how many miles we would have rucked, et cetera. And at the end of training, he's like, so for the last 13 weeks that y'all were here, y'all did this many miles uh, running and y'all rucked this many miles and did this many things. And it like, it really broke it down. It was like, I never once in my life thought that I could run two miles outright five miles outright ruck for 25 miles outright like it's just never crossed my mind that like i i thought i had these limits and then you know i was shown i was pushed to the to those uh points of exhaustion and then beyond it because i'm not really exhausted i think that's a better way of looking at breaking someone down than than you know belittling people you know. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think the way that I would think of it is stripping them of their civilian habits and yeah. creating those uniformed habits. Like, um, cause that, that is why early training for us is so intense, not only on the drill instructors, but also on the recruits is because we're teaching them how to be a recruit. Like, Hey, you're a civilian. Guess what? You're not there anymore. This is how you act now. And so again, some people would label that as breaking them down. I really, I guess I would consider it that, you know, stripping the old habits, teaching, institutionalizing them, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase, um, and starting them there from the very, very beginning, you know, stripping all those old habits, giving them that foundation, the, the baseline, and then building it up throughout the rest of training. Because the, the thing is, you know, even as long as recruit training is, we've got, you know, we've got 13 weeks in the Marine Corps. I know it varies throughout the branches, but it feels so long. But the thing is, as soon as they graduate, like that's just the beginning for them. Yeah. Just the very, very beginning. And that is wild, right? So like our basic training is nine weeks and then you move on to your AIT. And depending on what MOS you have, your AIT will be, you know, four weeks, nine weeks, 13 weeks, six months, a year. Just really depends. But um, the most challenging portion for most folks when they join the Army is that first nine weeks of uh, of basic training. Now, if, if they find themselves going to um, uh, an OSIT, what we call OSIT, like one station unit training, so we have a handful of MOSs like infantry, military police, uh, engineers. Um, they go through OSIT. So, so they'll have the same drill sergeants from beginning all the way through their AIT. And their their training is, tends to be uh, more challenging throughout, but it does get easier. It's just the, uh, the coursework or the material that they're learning obviously becomes more challenging because they're learning their job. But <clears throat> once you transition, that's kind of like what you're talking about, where you become less drill instructor slash recruit and more sergeant and you know corporal or lance corporal or not corporal but uh you know what lance corporal is that a pfc oh we have both we have uh pfcs and then that so pfcs are e2 and then lance corporals are e3 yeah okay yeah so mm-hmm. right yeah we yeah 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 so like we, we kind of get to that phase two where like you're in the IT portion of their training and it, you know you're still drill sergeant but like you, you're more of sergeant and private um and, you know, but like, we definitely don't have that 13 week long boot camp where it's the intensity is there. But I will say, having seen tons of army graduations and, you know, uh, quite a few videos of Marine Corps graduations. And I just, <clears throat> I just, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it, it is 
insane what you guys are able to do with the, with these recruits and and how you mold them into this like when you, when y'all like for, for example when y'all march i remember at fort sill i had a group of, of soldiers who were in reception standing at the defect as uh, artillery marines come marching up right they're in their artillery school and and they were just perfect like everybody was stepping at the same time the arms were swinging at the same distance to the front and rear or yeah and and i stopped my soldiers i was like stop and look like the level of discipline that it takes to, to do what they're doing is insane. That is the level of discipline that you should strive to have. Um, <clears throat> it, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I've, I've often said that I, I think I joined the wrong branch because I, I, I really do like like the mentality of the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I had a drill sergeant that tell me in basic that uh, the, uh, the, the basis of discipline falls in drill and ceremony. If you can't stand that attention, you can't do anything else. And that, that's, yeah. that's stuck with me. <laughs> it's very true. And, and that is, um, you know, with everything changing as much as it is with recruit training and integration and all these things, um, we've got people, you know, higher up that create the curriculum more or less for recruit training that are asking and questioning, well, why do we need drill? It's, I mean, as it stands, a lot of people don't know this, but for the Marine Corps, like drill actually isn't a graduation requirement. We have two evaluations for the recruits throughout mm. training, but it's actually like if they fail drill, they're still going to graduate. Um, but yet it's something that we emphasize, if not the thing that we emphasize the most. And that's, that's kind of what we answer to what you said back to these people questioning, well, why don't we just take drill off the curriculum and when we could replace it with, you know, more hours for marksmanship or whatever the case is like, no, because that you're going to lose all your discipline yep. because if you take away drill, you're going to take away the discipline and, and the vessel by which we achieve it. And you're going to see a whole new Marine Corps as soon as you take away drill yeah. um, because of that. Exactly. So no, really yeah, quick, same, uh, same in the army for sure. Real quick. Okay. What is uh tell me a story about something that was awe inspiring, something that you helped do with those young recruits that you were like, yes, this is why I'm doing this. Oh gosh. Um, I feel like I've, I've had a lot of moments like that, but you know, for me, I feel like it's little things. Um, I remember there was a moment, I, I think it was maybe a cycle or two ago. It was still fairly early in training. We were only about 25 days in and we were, we took the girls to do their martial arts testing. Like they were testing out for their first belt mm -hmm. and just watching. So they, they test out with an instructor separate from us for, you know, obvious reasons. And so he was blowing his whistle and it's like, execute, execute. And these girls were just like all completely in sync, like throwing their punches. And I'm just like thinking back to literally 20 days ago how they couldn't even stay in step or put on their uniform the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're over here throwing punches. Like it's such a small thing. And then, you know, a couple more weeks will go by. Next thing we know, like they're on the range. And I remember standing on the firing line and just looking up and down the line at all my girls shooting. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, cause a lot of times, you know, they get to boot camp, they've never touched a weapon. The first day you're doing weapons cleaning, like they don't even know how to break it down. They don't even know the parts of the weapon. And now they're over here firing it for qualification, literally within like five, six weeks. Um, so I think it's those little moments for me where it's like, dang, because the progress is so slow. It's definitely like the tortoise's race, oh, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say, gosh, I mean, when you talk about awe inspiring, I guess, I think it's when the families come up to you mm. at like yeah. family day or graduation 
and they say like I didn't even recognize my daughter like what did you do with my yes. daughter like she's a different person um that's where it's just like dang this we you know we just gave this parent back a, a different human than they sent us and I think that's that's one of those moments where it really sinks in is seeing their face and and the genuine thankfulness is like dang you know, I was just doing my job and these people are like <laughs> losing their mind, you know? And it's not like I see it as just a job. Like I definitely have a, a very deep seated passion for what I do, but there are days where it's like, this is just my freaking job, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can narrow it down to just one thing because we pour so much, like a passionate drill instructor pours all of themselves and then some into each cycle. Um, like we leave with nothing left. And so, yeah. It's it's hard to pick out one thing I'd say. What yeah. uh? So what what do you, where do you think that that passion came from? Because you volunteered to be a drill instructor, right? I did. Um, I actually had to jump through a few hoops because I had a, a class date and then I shattered my elbow on yeah. the O course going for my black belt. So I had to pause my class date. Mm-hmm. I had to reenlist for four and a half years, and then I had to wait thirteen months for a new seat at drill instructor mm-hmm. school. Um. So yeah, I was I was so motivated. I knew I wanted to be a drill instructor from the from the time I was a recruit. And I think the reason was, you know, I was fortunate kind of going referencing back to how we talked about the condition in which so like some of these recruits show up. I was fortunate like I had a good education. I grew up in a stable household, you know, more or less. So when I got to boot camp, it was definitely like not the hardest thing I'd ever been through by any means. Mm-hmm. And I kind of saw through it right away like you know, a lot of girls, it was, everything was very much face value for them. But I started be, like immediately reading into those deeper meanings. I started noticing like, oh, the drill instructor said that because over here is where it met, like it applies or like, oh, it's transferring over here. And so I started to read through the games as, as we might say, mm-hmm. even as a recruit. And then, um, you know, growing up in the fleet Marine Corps, there's the Marine Corps has kind of segregated itself when it comes to like the female Marine population, you've got people um, you know, that kind of share more mind mindset. They're like, you know, they like to dig into the grindstone. They, they like to work hard. They want to be the best. They want to be at the top. And then you've got, you know, sort of the other side of it where they tend to start families really early. Um, you know, a lot of people develop health, health problems early on for whatever reason. And so the female population just kind of divides itself. And the, the problem is people are impressionable when they come in and they tend to fall into the category of whatever their, their most familiar female leadership is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just was kind of looking at the female population from afar and I was like, we could do better. Like there, we have to do better. There's no way. Um, and I was like, where do we start? How do I fix this? I, I tried multiple ways to fix it. I taught, you know, residential professional military education for corporals. Um, I, you know, got a whole other MOS to teach swim qualification. I did like all these other things. And I was like, no, it starts at boot camp. Like you need to start at the beginning. And so that's where that really um, kind of reaffirmed. Like I was like, I need to go back to Paris Island. Originally I was going to try and do security guard duty like overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was... I was kind of um, searching through Instagram and I came across a couple of videos of drill instructors that were currently drill instructors at that time posting just some like motivating stuff. And it just really spoke to me. And I was like, no, this is my calling. Like, this is what I need to do. And it was that simple. Um, and so, yeah, and, and that's where I'm at. And I have to remember that because as a drill instructor now, it is easy to get caught up in, we got to be here. We got to be there. The girls need to be wearing this. We have to do that. And I have to remember that like I am there to create my replacement 
Like yeah. at some point I have to hang up my uniform mm-hmm. and I want to be able to shake hands and look in the eye, the person that's going to fill my shoes and hope that I have set them up for the success to do better than I did. Not only to fill my shoes, but to do better. That's my hope is that like I have set them up to, to do more than I could have done. Yeah. Um, no, 100% agree. So that was kind of, that was kind of my psyche behind the whole thing. And, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I operate from that place of passion. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's I, I absolutely love that response. I really do. Um, and I, and I really do wish that like, I'm, so I think I told you when we, when we spoke to the other day, like in my company, my home station unit, like I, I'm like, like I work with the candidates, like some of the, the, the drill sergeant candidate platoon, uh, sergeant and, that's one thing that I try like and, and explain to these guys and girls like 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 you're not here for a new hat you're not here because uh, we get special duty assignment pay on top of uh, you know for being a drill right you're not here for SDAP you're not here for an easy to be in an easy unit that doesn't deploy somewhere that's not what you're here for it's not the role of a drill a drill sergeant um, the role of a drill is to train lead and mentor that's your job to train lead and mentor you need to be able to train that means you need to understand the training. You need to be able to lead them, which means you need to understand leadership. You need to be able to mentor them, which means you need to understand how to mentor. You need to be the kind of mentor that you never had um, or mimic the great ones that you did have and try and be better. You know, what things do I wish I would have heard or learned or been told when I was a young soldier in the army? And then I put that and that's that's my that's my approach. Right. And absolutely. It's uh, it's 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 amazing to hear that that that's I mean that's that that's that's your that's your mindset because I will say um, obviously never went to Marine Corps boot camp, um, never had a, a, a drill instructor in my face and um, you know you watch these videos and fuck you can watch Full, Full Metal Jacket and you you immediately develop this like this uh, you know idea of what a drill instructor is right somebody who's very intense and screams and yells and um you know, knife hands, like better than we do. And, you know, it's just all these things. And, and, and I'm hearing that that's just not for you anyway. That's not the case. Like you, you, you may be a part of some of those things slightly here and there, but you have a, a method to your madness. Absolutely. And you have to keep in mind too, that like those videos are every like video that's out there is going for like the most high impact, high action mm-hmm. yeah. um, that they can. And, and that's not to say that we aren't doing those things that we don't do them often. Like we absolutely do. Um, I probably went ballistic at least once a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there, I don't, I would say there's very few times you would catch me not, you know, screaming, even, even when I was instructing, I would do it in a very, um, you know, strict and authoritative manner. Yeah. Um, but like you said, like if you, if that's all you're doing, then where is the mentorship? Then where is the leadership? Yeah. And so you have to find that really thin balance and it kind of depends on your, which drill instructor, like role you're filling. Um, I don't know about you guys, but we have kind of like a hierarchy on the team. Like we have like the senior drill instructor who's yeah. like yeah. a nice one and, and so on. Yeah. So you have to kind of play your billet and you have to, you have to toe that line between holding, you know, holding that, that standard of being the Marine Corps drill instructor, but also you have to drop those little nuggets. You have to give them something to hold on to. You have to throw them a bone. You yeah. get that buy-in. You, you tell, you show them why it matters. You tell them why it matters. You give them a tiny little, cause like the other thing too is they don't know anything about us. We don't tell them anything about us. They don't know our first name. They don't know where we're from. They don't know our MOS in the real Marine Corps. Like they don't know anything, but all they know is that like, they want to be us. Yeah. We are the example of a perfect Marine. And so when you give them that little thing, like I remember when I was a recruit and I stepped on this parade deck, that's, that's one thing we do with the females a lot 
because uh, 4th Battalion, you know, until recently was historically an all-female battalion. And so when you take them out there for the first time, that's like one one place you can drop them a nugget. Like, this is the, the prairie deck I drilled on when I was a recruit. And immediately they're like, oh, shit. You know, they stand uh, up taller and, and they uh, it motivates yeah. them. So it's something, like, I'm still screaming that at them. I'm still being, I'm like, this is where I was when I was a recruit. You know, like, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> but it's the way that you, and the confidence by which you, like, communicate that. That's how you get that buy-in. That's how you get them to be like, oh, shit. Like, she did that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. and that, over time, is, is where the buy-in comes in. And, and that's where the performance starts to turn over. It's like you're welcoming them, welcoming them in to the place that you train, and that means so much more because you're like, yeah. this is mine. And if yeah. you want to get into this, you need to show me that you can make it. Quick little side note. We always ask, or not always, uh, a lot of times when people go into basic training, they watch Full Metal Jacket. Did you do that? Because uh, I know me and Kevin did. I didn't. I actually never saw Full Metal Jacket until after I was in the Marine Corps, but for like a while. I think okay. I was even out of MOS school um, <laughs> the first time I saw it. So when I was looking at it, it kind of was more of a reminiscent thing like, oh, yep, yep, I remember <laughs> that, you know. Um, so I guess in, in a way, I was fortunate to not be scared off by it. But at the same time, like once I decided I wanted to be a Marine, there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop me. And, and like I said, honestly, when I was a recruit, I didn't find recruit training challenging. And that's not to say that the drill instructors didn't bring the heat. That's not to say that, like, you know, it, it wasn't executed the way it was designed. It absolutely was. I was just very used to adversity already. Yeah. Um, and I already had that very, like, you know, work it out kind of mindset. And so, and, and that's worked in my favor, you know, all these years that I've been in it. Definitely returning as a drill instructor. Um, because kind of like how you were mentioning, Kevin, like the the stamina that you're, you Mm-hmm. require of yourself it's it's an unspeakable i look back at i, I wear a garmin like religiously and yeah. i look back at my stats on my garmin sometimes i'm like how there's no <laughs> way yeah. there's no way and it's so an average day for me i'm clocking anywhere between 20 to 30 miles um good lord wait did you say the, 20 to 30 miles a day 20 to 30 miles a day that's way out there yeah that's nuts you can keep it <laughs> and yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Like I look back on that, I'm like, how? Like there's no way, but it's the same. Like every day I look at it, the stats, like the stats don't lie. Beast mode. Um Yeah, it's just and, and you know, people ask me, like, what is it like being a drill instructor? I'm like, okay, go run a marathon in boots and mm-hmm. then don't eat and then scream the whole time that you're doing that and then <laughs> do it again every day yeah. for three months. That's what yeah. it's like, you know. That's why I say, man, y'all, y'all are a whole different level uh, than than everybody else. And I'm telling you, like, I, I've I've always just really appreciated that about about the Marine Corps because um, I think, I mean, I think all the all the branches do do uh, they play their roles right. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Still not entirely sure what the Space Force is doing. Um, I've seen some, <laughs> yeah, they're I've just seen kind some, of like a mysterious entity. <laughs> yeah, well, have, guardians, well, have you seen is it the name? Huh? Guard, guardians is it a name? Is that what they are? Yes, they're, they're, guard, they're guardians? guardians. Yes, so, guardians like, of the galaxy. soldiers. Oh, okay, got it. Um, no, have you uh, have you seen photos from uh, like their? I guess I guess it's their. I, I think they call it boot camp. Uh, their graduations or their uniforms and what the, what their drill. I think they're actually called drill instructors as well. Have you seen like the female uh, drill instructor? So you know, in the army, like our our females, we they wear the Australian bush hat, which I yes. think is insane to me. Um, I've never liked it. I really want them to change it. I, I, a ton of uh, my 
female uh, drill sergeant uh, buddies, compadres, comrades, wish that they could change it to the hat that we wear, the hat that you guys wear, because um, <clears throat> it just looks so much better. But um, no, they, the Space Force, I just have you seen it? I saw one video when the Space Force was still pretty new of the recruits or whatever they're calling them mm-hmm. doing, quote unquote, doing the obstacle course. And (laughs) let me just say, I was less than impressed, but, uh, you know, they're good at computers and stuff that is going to win the war against whoever. So I guess we have to like them, but, um, (laughs) gotta gotta love them. Gotta bring them into the fold. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we, if we accepted the air force, we got to accept the space force too. No, the, the, the female hats though. So they're, they're, they're drill instructor hat, right? So it's, it's the same as the army, uh, female drill, drill, drill sergeant hat. Uh, so you got one side that's flipped up, right? Right. But the opposite side that's not flipped up is a flat brim like mine is, like yours is. The top of it is like a Stetson cowboy hat. And then the side that's flipped up is also like a like a like a flat brim, but it's folded straight up. It's really it's ugly. Well and they've got like the, the chin cinch strap underneath too, right? Yeah, we yeah. Mars do that too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if y'all did that too, but yeah, I, uh, I've I've seen photos and videos of the female drill sergeants, and I've always wondered why. Like, is there like a tradition behind like a uniformity or honestly know, significant? Um, the 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 female campaign hat, the the, the Australian bush hat, came out in I believe 1976. There was a a general, I don't remember her name, um, female general who was like, you know what, this is the hat for our. Um, newly created and inducted uh, female drill sergeants. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I, as far as I know, there's not any real significance um, to Australian bush hats and the 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 women in the in the army. I don't think it relates to the women's army corps because um, you know, like the, the our, our, camp, our our campaign hats, it's the same design as yours. Um, there's history there, right? Like those hats were used by uh, like cavalry and, 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 and such back in the day. Um, so it's a hat that's existed in the military for quite a while, but I'm not, I'm not sure where the Australian bush hat comes from. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. And it actually, so female drill instructors didn't originally wear the campaign cover. We, so the males did. Um, and like you said, there's tradition. So at one point that was like the Marine Corps standard issue. It was called the field hat. Um, but then once that went out of, out of play and actually the campaign covers didn't come back to Paris Island until the ribbon Creek incident, which I don't know if you're familiar with that long story short, um, a drill instructor back in, I want to say it was Vietnam era. Um, he took his recruits out to do what at the time was a fairly common form of training today would be considered hazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but a bunch of them ended up drowning in this Creek because like the tide came in. And so that was when Paris Island was like really revisited. A lot of officers were placed there. It, it really revamped kind of the, the structure of like how the platoons fall under a chain of command. And that's when they started to bring what at the time it was called the field hat back uh, for drone instructors to wear to differentiate them from the recruits and kind of create that visual like um, reverence, I guess. Um, but all of that, like at the time, you know, females weren't really um, – their, their kind of training companies went in and out as far as being, whether they were doing them or not, whether it was like considered part of the, the same regiment as the males, this and that. Um, so it wasn't until the 90s after the females were officially established as having their own 
um, recruit training regiment and their own companies to train in. Um, I'm sorry, their own companies under recruit training regiment. So they officially were part of the recruit training along with the males, but the female drill instructors, they still wore the same eight point cover like that you see most Marines wearing. Mm-hmm. And they had a red cord, almost kind of like a paracord yeah. um, that they would wear over one of their shoulders. I forget whether it was left or right, but that was like the only thing that female drill instructors had to differentiate them. And no one knew why, kind of like you said, with the hats, it was like, why, why is that the thing that we chose? And it took some corporal, um, wrote the commandant about it. It was like, it was some just random female corporal was like, why can't female drill instructors wear the campaign cover? And the commandant was like, you know what? You're freaking right. And so he came down himself and had like a whole ceremony. Um, and there's actually, it's really cool. We have pictures of it at fourth battalion where I work and I was the battalion historian for a little bit and was able to unearth a lot of these cool kind of relics. But, um, yeah, he came down and had a whole ceremony and he donned like the, the campaign cover on each of the female drill instructors at the time and, and we've worn it ever since. But all that to say, we've been wearing it like 20 years less uh, than the males. So there was kind of some some of that for us as well. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, no. And yeah, it, it is kind of uh, I do like that. Like somebody wrote a letter and he's like, hmm, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's I, literally I just, how simple it was. <laughs> I just want somebody to write that same letter to someone in the army and they'll be like, yeah, why are they wearing an Australian hat? Like, it was like, it's not like we're out in the outback or yeah, you exactly. know, whatever other things Australians do. Um, <clears throat> you know, your toilets swirl the same way, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have a, a big issue with that. I, I mean, I think it's, 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 it, it creates this like unnecessary um, and, and kind of like subconscious separation. And I just, I just disagree with it um, completely. But anyway, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I could talk to you about this particular subject forever. Like I feel, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yes. I, I feel like we're definitely like-minded when, when, when it comes to training and our, our approach to um, recruits or uh, soldiers in training or, or whatever we are calling them now. Um, and I, we definitely could go on and on and on and on and on and on about that. And, um, but I want to, I want to talk about something else that you are doing and or have done. And, um, <clears throat> based on some feedback that I've received, um, I, 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 I think you should continue to do it. What inspired you to write a children's book? Oh, okay. So that one is kind of a, has a story behind it too. Um, I'll try not to be too long winded here, but basically I've always enjoyed writing ever since I was a very young kid. I, I was that kid in like middle school. I would write like whole novels. And when I would switch classes, like I'd go to science class and have my friends read a chapter. And then I'd go to math class and have like a different group of friends read the chapter. And everybody was like on the hook every day of like, did you write more? Did you write more? Um, I just loved it. And so this book originally came from a project I did when I was about 12 years old, um, even further back than that. So I had an uncle, one of my boisterous Greek uncles, um, mm-hmm. he was very involved in my childhood. And so when we were young, there's this park kind of across the way and he would take me over there. But before we crossed the street, he'd say like, okay, what are we going to look for? And, you know, being a kid, I was like, well, cars. He's like, no, 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 that's boring, you know. And, um, <laughs> he's like, what about fire trucks? What about this and that? And so he would really spark my imagination. And you fast forward like 20 minutes and we're talking about hot air balloons and <laughs> monkeys and, you know, you name it. It was it was on the list. And so we just I, I was really fond of that game 
when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so when I got a little bit older, I had the idea to make like kind of a an illustrated book for him as a gift for like Christmas or his birthday or, or something. And so what I did is I wrote this poem called When Crossing the Street. And then I took like two two lines of it and I wrote it on construction paper and then I would self-illustrate. I would just draw a street and then whatever items from those two lines were in it, that those are the things on that page. And, um, you know, I gave it to him. He loved it. He was in the family for a long time. And then that was just, that was that. And that kind of became a thing I did. It was like I wrote books and illustrated them and, and gave them to people in my family. But then, you know, it kind of outgrew it. I got busy with school and, and whatnot. And then, you know, when you're a teenager, you're too cool for stuff like that. Right. But so where that comes full circle is it literally like I completely forgot about it until um, last year. Well, I guess 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 2021. Um, I was at dinner with a friend of mine. He and his wife had hosted me for dinner and they had recently had a son and they were talking about like, oh, we can't buy any good children's books. Like they don't rhyme. The illustrations are crap. You know, they were like, we just like, what happened to good children's books? And of course, I was completely unaware that this was a problem because I don't have children or anything like that. And so I just kind of jokingly was like, well, you know, I wrote a kid's book one time and I actually had the photos on my phone from the book I made my uncle and I was showing it to them and they were like, oh my gosh, like we would buy this book right now if this was a real book. And similar kind of how I told you, like way back when I joined the Marine Corps, my head just kind of popped off the pillow and I was like, what if I did it? That's basically the same thing that happened. I went home and I was like, what is actually stopping me from making this a real children's book? And when I realized the answer was actually just nothing and I just was completely like, I just needed to do some research. I was like, well, shit, all right, here we are. And so I put my put my big toe in the water. Next thing I knew, I was neck deep in the water. And this whole world of like professional authorship opened up to me. Um, I had a few offers uh, based on my manuscript. I learned a ton of stuff about, like, I didn't even know that juvenile literature is like marketed to two separate age groups based on like certain criteria. I didn't know that my manuscript bridged across both and therefore was really good at marketing because of the like illustratable capability of the manuscript and then also the fact that there is no like message really it's kind of just like a fun poem so that opens up the demographic that can be marketed too um so I kind of like didn't even know that I was sitting on a golden nugget if that makes sense and uh, my marketing agent was often like aren't you more like he would give me information he's like why aren't you more excited like this doesn't happen often I was like (laughs) well I don't (laughs) I don't know this is my first book um but yeah so that's that's kind of how it came about um I you know, originally worked to get the manuscript copyrighted. And then I worked with a commissioned illustrator um, doing a few drafts. And I wanted it to, I purposely wanted it to be like a search and find book because I wanted it to be good for kids that couldn't read yet too. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then we went into production. So yeah, we went from copyright to design to production to distribution and marketing. And it was wild. Like I had no idea what to expect. I learned so much um, I was getting interviews. I was being re- like, I actually was requested to be on prime time with ABC, um, mm. CNN and, and a couple other outlets. I forget nice. where they are now, but um, I didn't, did not end up able being able to sit those interviews, but it was like, it was incredible because the stations actually reached out to my marketing team. Usually it's like yeah. you kind of pitch to them, but like they found out about it and pitched to my marketing team asking me to appear Um but at about that time, I was I was about to go back to working platoons full time, and it just you know yeah. it didn't work out. But it, it was literally so, like their people getting hold of your people. 
Literally, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I would always feel so bougie because I'd be out with dinner, like out with my friends. I was like, "Oh, sorry, my marketer is calling," or like, "Oh, my publisher is calling." Like, excuse me. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Damn, we so. need a marketer. Man, we we could definitely use that. Is your is your person uh, taking on podcasters? Yeah. I mean, I could always do an inquiry for you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> might not hurt, honestly. It might Slide not that put in the door. Hey, tell me a little bit about. I, I know that hat is very uncomfortable. What are you doing when you take that hat off? What do you do to uh, decompress? <clears throat> oh, that's a good question. Yeah, so I I'm pretty active. I love to rollerblade. I know it's kind of like a nerdy thing, and people look at me. Like I'm nerdy when I'm rolling down the, the trail, but I love to rollerblade. I usually go about 20 miles every Saturday. Um, I love to do Spartan racing and pretty much any form of like obstacle course racing. I love to cook. Obviously, I love to write in my free time. I'm a musician, so I spend a lot of time doing like piano covers or just like tinkering around on all my instruments. Um, just try to keep busy. I love to read. I, I don't watch too much TV. Um, and I love to travel. Love to travel. I love the mountains. I love hiking in like the Shenandoah um, and like Appalachia area. Mm-hmm. Since I've been on the East Coast pretty much my whole career, that's been like the, the nearest, most accessible mountain range or mountainous area. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the hobbies that describe me, I guess. So we actually, the last show we recorded um, was with a, a, another group of uh, podcasters that, that, you know, like the, the one, one former Marine and Army, Army, uh, retired first aren't uh, they're actually called grunts in Appalachia and they're from the West Virginia area. Um, <clears throat> sounds like a really uh, beautiful place over there and, and, and uh, the mountains and stuff. I mean, I, so I live in Northwest Arkansas and we are in what you would call the quote unquote Ozark mountains. Um, but when you see real mountains, like it's like, Oh, those are cute. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> um, like foothills. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I drove through the Rockies. So a couple years ago, I went on a camping trip through Colorado and Utah uh, out in Moab and uh, drove through the Rockies. And I was like, I was just floored at what I was looking at. I was like, how are things this big? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yes. insane. Yes, it absolutely is mind boggling out there. <clears throat> it's beautiful. Um, I wanted to tell you though. So on your book, I didn't, I didn't, I don't have kids. Right. And so I'm going to say, I did not read your book. However, I do know a professional in that field uh, my best friend Jessica who has two kids and also went to college for uh, primary education um, and has a goal of writing children's books Um, a lot of projects you did in college involved children books and research and so on so I bought the book and had it go to her so she could read it and so the kids could read it Um, it is worth mentioning I think so she's got two kids Ella and Andrew Um, Ella's nine and uh, Andrew's a few years younger and he's autistic and so I really wanted to like, cause that's three different perspectives, right? Mm, on, definitely. on your book. And the, uh, the general consensus is it's amazing. Uh, they all loved it. Um, <clears throat> Ella, Ella says she loved the, the rhyming and how all these random things defined. It was a really good book. Um, and then Andrew is <laughs> actually kind of funny. His response, um, I'm trying to actually find the message. So, um, <clears throat> that, uh, He's he he doesn't. I mean, he's he's a very vocal kid, right? But like, sometimes he's not. And um, he gave a thumbs up and was like dialed in on the search and find aspect of the book. Um, like he was just he had to find everything on every page, and he was he was um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like drawn in, like engaged, right? 
Um, and I, so I think, uh, I think, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty good, uh, praise, right? Like, I, I feel like that those are good reviews. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me and, and going forward and doing that. Cause that, that means a lot to me. Cause you know, with not having kids, I pretty much have to vicariously live through, yeah. you know, these, these types of stories to feel like success, um, with, with the product that I've made. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you. Well, for sure. And, and so, and so I, I do have to say, so Jess said the mom, right. Um, from her, her perspective and obviously knowing her kids, she says it's cute. She does a good job of capturing the spontaneous thinking that is a child's imagination and turning something as, as mundane as crossing the road into an adventure. So, um, and she said it was adorable that you, that you, that you did that book, uh, with your uncle or for your uncle. Um, so, uh, it was, uh, yeah, like all, all around, um, high praise on your book. Um, so for our listeners, if you have children, if you don't have children, you like children's books, or if you just want to read a new book, um, it's called when crossing the street, you can find it on Amazon. Um, author is Kat Karamitros, K-A-R-A-M-I-T-R-O-S. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that was the, when I was talking about in the beginning of the show, like kind of had like a, I, I guess it's a surprise. I don't know. I, I wanted to support it, right? I wanted to support your book and you. Um, and I wasn't going to buy it because I think it would look weird as a single male having a book <laughs> in my house. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. You know what I mean? But definitely. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, like I said, I truly appreciate that. And that's, it is a surprise. And it's, it's, um, I know we don't, we're not on video right now, but I am definitely giving a big smile to that review. <laughs> and it's, it made my day to hear that. So I truly appreciate it. For sure. Do you have any um, future books that you're thinking about writing? Yeah. Uh, so I do get asked this a lot. Um, I So like I mentioned, I did a couple other books sort of along the same nature. Um, so I've, I've been thinking about, you know, going forward with some of those. One is about, uh, I wrote it for another Greek uncle of mine who always lost his keys. And I think it's literally called like a book for uncles who can't keep keys. Um, so I'd, I'd have to alter it a little bit to be like, you know, not as specific to my family, but I'm definitely keeping my original illustrations on that one. I don't know what I was doing when I was like 13 years old, but I drew these keys doing the craziest things running away. And I, <laughs> they're great. I was like, no one could ever do it. Like, this is how, this is what it has to be. Um, so that one might be, probably my next release if I continue down the children's route, but I do also enjoy, um, writing, you know, more like mature poetry and prose, um, maybe like a novella kind of thing. Um, and so those are always possibilities on the table as well. I just have to be conscious about like my demographic because right now it's very much, you know, like parents and grandparents trying to buy books for their kids. And if I were to switch to that more mature content, I'd want to kind of um, figure out my marketing demographic before putting forth something like that just, onto my current audience. Just do so. a pen name or yeah, like a, like a pseudonym or whatever, you know, like a, be somebody else. Actually. Yeah. I've, I've definitely thought about that and it's, it's probably going to happen because I don't want um, my genres like crossfiring with each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely like something that will take place, but um, I get out of the Marine Corps in gosh, six months now. Um, so it's definitely kind of like on my post Marine Corps, list of plans to more heavily pursue um and just see where it goes i do want to be careful though too not to make it my career because i already did that once with music and i regret it (laughs) so i want to always keep it something that's like on my terms and fun and just something i'm doing for me so yeah i mean definitely like i mean hobbies that generate income um that's not a bad idea right um (laughs) it's, it's, it's fun for sure so uh, you said you're getting out of the Marine Corps. Do you have 
any reservations on that or any like any any fear on that? Like, I mean, you've been in, you said eight years now, going on eight years. Yeah. I mean, it's scary because it's, I mean, you hear it all the time. It's cliche. Like the military is a lifestyle. It's not just a job. And, and especially with the Marine Corps, especially with being a drill instructor, like I'm literally about to go from making Marines to not even being one. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to be a big shift. And so much of my identity does lie within the Marine Corps. But um, what I'm kind of working on right now is, is kind of separating myself from that identity and, and figuring out who I am without the yeah. uniform and without the rank. Um, and it's been cool to kind of discover what's underneath there because I feel like I've been hiding it so long behind being a drill instructor and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's obviously some fear just because it's such a big life change and, you know, the times right now are a little bit uncertain, but I kind of came to the conclusion. I was like, I would, I want to be, um, I don't want to be held back anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there comes a certain point where I'm at in my career where it's like, if I were to stay in and do this, it's just, it would just be for the comfort of the paycheck and because it's familiar and I don't want to catch myself being stagnant that way. Um, So I'd rather step out into kind of this uncertainty and this little bit of fear to not be stagnant because I hate being stagnant. Um, I think, I think um, I was going to say, so I think, uh, since, since you were in boot camp, you wanted to be a drill instructor and mm-hmm. now you are a drill instructor and you've done that, that role. And uh, clearly you've done well with it. You've succeeded uh, in, in that role. I kind of, I kind of can't help but think um, at least in your mind is like, well, from this is what, this is, this is what I wanted my career in the Marines to, to be. And I've attained that. Um, yes, yes, so very much. So. Anything, anything after that, like, would it, would it hold the same value or the same way? I'm sure you would, you would, it would. Right. But maybe, maybe just a hair less, you know? I mean, honestly, I, I could straight up say that I don't think it would. Um, yeah. you know, this, this job is, it's so intense and it's so rewarding. And you, like I said, you just pour so much of yourself into it that I don't think there is really a way to follow it up. Um, when you're so passionate about, the product that you make here. And um, like I said, music, you know, it just kind of, it doesn't sit too well with me anymore. So going back to that MOS wouldn't really be conducive to, to an environment that I need. Um, I was considering lap moving and doing like the reserves thing for a little bit to keep my, you know, my foot in the door, but uh, just kind of doing some research with that. Wasn't sure it was going to be the best idea. And so, and the way that I knew I was making the right choice was when I decided and started telling people like, I'm going to do my EAS and I felt lighter. Like I felt like a burden had come off my shoulders and I was like, yeah. okay, this is what I need to do. Um, Cause like you said, it's like all I ever wanted to be was a drill instructor. And obviously there were like smaller things along the way that I, I wanted to be in, but I did all those things. Yeah. And this is like the culminating event. And it's like, well, shit, how do you top that? Yeah. Um, where do you, where do you go from here? Exactly. So yeah, yeah you, no, that's <clears throat> go ahead, sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm just gonna, gonna say, uh, you've done a whole lot. Uh, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Sure, yeah, I'm I'm 26. Wow, 26. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't, I never thought to ask, but that, I mean, you have done a fuck ton of things <laughs> by 26. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it, it baffles even me. Like, I'll, I'll sit in my car and think about like, I am 20 something years old, and every night I'm in charge of like. 60 rifles 60 yeah. girls lives like yeah it's it's the amount of responsibilities it's mind-boggling oh, sometimes know. the things you know, that we're like, trusted with yeah no like we, tyree and i are both deployed in iraq uh in 04 um 
you know, it's just like, who, who is trusting us to be here at this age? This is insane. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's my favorite yeah. Marine Corps ism is like, you, they'll trust you to, you know, with multi-million dollar government gear, but you can't have a toaster in your barracks room because you might exactly. burn the place down. Like make it yeah. make sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. We couldn't, uh, what, no smoking in the barracks, but here's no, this no, Bradley, smoking, no candles. Here's this 25 millimeter cannon though. Don't worry about it. Right. Oh, and right. the cool thing about the Bradley was like in the, in the back where all the troops sat, it's a, it's a, it's an armored personnel carrier. If you didn't know, um, 25 millimeter Bushmaster cannon on it. But like, so we're sitting in the back of this damn thing and underneath the floor plates is where they would store like the extra ammo, the additional AT fours or whatever the fuck, like all the other extra shit that goes boom. And, and you know, the entire crew is everyone's smoking in the back. Everyone's sitting in the back is smoking. Um, but you can't smoke in your barracks. You right. Know, it's, it's <laughs> but you can like, smoke where all the ammo's at. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like make it make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I actually used that phrase so much my last cycle that my girls um we always have <laughs> like a few that are really good at art. And so towards the end of the cycle we pull them out to make like some relics for us to, you know, commemorate the cycle. That that was like the phrase that they wrote was make it make sense. That's um funny. because they just pissed me off so much. It's like <laughs> make it make sense to me right now. Yeah. Right. So, we 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 do a thing at the end of basic training, we call it a gong show, right? Where the yes. soldiers, y'all, y'all do that too. We do, we do. Okay, I didn't know y'all mm-hmm. called it the same thing either. Yeah, 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 I had no idea. Yeah, um, it's it's really funny. I've never been imitated, never. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, that you're you're missing out. That's like the best part. I just, I, I think, I don't think, I, I just, I don't think I have anything about me that like, like that I'm like consistently saying or doing or whatever that stands out. Um. So yeah, I, I I've never been I've never been imitated during a gong show. I mean, but, if they uh, shaved think... off all their hair. Oh, shut up! <laughs> like you know. they don't have hair in basic training, dude. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. really bald in one spot. <laughs> you stupid! Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So after the Marine Corps, right? Six months. What's happening? Um, so right now I don't actually have like a solid plan and that is so freeing (laughs) at the moment because, and I don't mean it in like a lackadaisical way. It's kind of just like, I know myself and I don't mean this any type of way, but it's like, I know, I know that I have the skills to where I could go anywhere and I'm going to find something, you know? Um, so I, I'm really not concerned about it. It's, it's really relieving to like, know that I am not going to be having to adhere to a certain plan for a little bit. Right. Um, and so I'm just trying to chill. I'm going to go visit some family. I've got a friend who has a ranch out West. I'm going to go work there for a little bit with her family. Um, and then the ultimate goal, a couple of years, maybe down the road is to become a park ranger and, uh, just live my best life doing that. And that's, that'll make me happy that for the rest be, of my life. I would love that job. Um, we, like I said, we had the Ozark national forest here and mm, yeah. like, I just, I I could be, I could do that I could be out there I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a WG like it's similar to a GS like 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 a like a park ranger would be um the the pay grades whatever oh but, yeah uh, yeah um yeah like it's I yeah now, come on you you're gonna pay me to be out in the woods all day right and yeah. and I've heard some people say like oh you know it's really political to move up in that and I was like look I will be private park ranger 
or 20. <laughs> I don't care. Like I yeah. done my time already trying to move up these political ladders. Like I don't care anymore. I just want to pet the buffaloes and, and be in the park. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. um, no, for yeah. real. What, 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 uh, like what park are you trying to, uh, to work at? Um, so I definitely want to start out West, uh, preferably like up in Montana, Idaho, like Wyoming area. Okay. I just yeah, love yeah. that part of the country. Um, and from what I understand in, in the few park rangers that I have spoken to is like you kind of it's like by season. Um, they kind of just pick somewhere new for you to go. And so in a lot of ways, it's kind of it can be a surprise. And it's like, oh, well, if you don't end up liking that location, you're only there for a season. And then next year, go somewhere else. Um, and I think I kind of developed a, a, an affinity for that transient lifestyle from the military is like, I mean, you know how it is. Every few years we're up and moving yeah. our whole life. And so I do think that's good um, to really get like a clean slate every so often and just change of scenery. So I think, you know, being able to keep that element with like the seasonal moving of a, a park ranger combined with the nature of that job, I just think it'll be a really good way to follow on such an intense career. Um, yeah. with something a little bit more my style. You should right. come and, here to and, California to do it. And uh, we have tons of parks and they're all on fire. You have a great <laughs> yes. time. I promise. <laughs> they're on fire. They are on fire. That is true. Well, Definitely. What are they not? No, yeah, yes, it's that's never, that's a fair question. Yeah, well, like in the winter, that's about it. Any other season, yeah. you have a fair chance of setting an entire park on fire. Yeah, because it's California, right? It's very cool, though. I, and again, twenty six years old, maybe a park ranger. After you wrote a book, after you were a drill instructor, after you learned a language that is not English, after you <laughs> learned how to play uh, instruments. That's a lot, man. And yeah, you're, a lot you're of people a pretty accomplished are, person. Yeah, a lot of people are normally a little apprehensive about what they're going to do on their next step after um, military. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you seem like you got it all mapped out. And even then, I think if we talk to you in five more years, you're going to be like a, a master carpenter. And uh, <laughs> you've also built <laughs> Or just houses. private park ranger. Yeah. Private park ranger. Absolutely. <laughs> no, um, I, I truly appreciate that. Um you know, it's, it's been a wild ride. And, um, I think, you know, one thing I tell the girls all the time and, and kind of like I was mentioning these art relics, it was another one that they did for me. And they, they quoted me on this one is I said, you know, everything I've been afraid of, I just did it anyway. Um, cause a lot of people ask me like, well, where did you get the confidence? Where did you get the idea this and that? And it's like, kind of like how I said is when I drove home that night from my friend's house, I was like, what's really stopping me from publishing my book. And I could have easily just been like, well, I don't want to do the research or, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What if people don't like it? Um, but it's like, you know what, screw it. Like if you're afraid of something, just freaking do it because you know, there's a couple of reasons. Number one being that, that confidence factor is like, I, you know, I didn't wake up this confident. I didn't just, you know, get this confident overnight. I, this confidence is built in experience. It's forged through the fire of fear. And, um, you know, so by continuing to push through and like do those things that you're afraid of, you, you gain that confidence and you know, the double, the, the flip side of that coin is, you create a track record for yourself. So when you're like, you know, shaking at the knees about some experience that you're about to go into, you can remember the last time you were shaking at the knees and be like, but I still did that damn thing. Like I still did that. And then you can start to rely on basically like that past version of yourself or, you know, that track record that you've built within your own like head and your own stamina to be like, if I did that, I can definitely do this next thing. And that's literally just how I've kind of navigated my whole life. And I just never missed an opportunity. Anytime an opportunity was there, even if I knew nothing about it, even if I was afraid, even if I was like, what's even the point of this? I just freaking did it. And that's, that's how I got to where I am. There was no like magic potion. There was no like, 
you know, just between that and the dedication, the discipline and the sacrifice, you know, that's how, that's how I became, you know, where I'm at in life. And, um, I continue to just keep doing that, you know, they need to hire you at Nike. Just do it, man. Yeah. (laughs) Just do it. Absolutely. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, like you you, you think your limitations are here. Actually, Mm -hmm. they're so much further down the line than, than you think. And you're about to find that out. And yes. you just kept pushing that, pushing that, pushing that. It's like, okay, well, I got to this where I thought my limitation was. And, oh, shit, it's, it's not here. It's further down the line. Or you get to that point, you're like, hmm, what else can I do, though? Like, maybe maybe I'm, I'm at my limitation in this one thing, but, like, there's this other thing. I'm going to go that direction and kind of, like, go around. You know, I don't know. It's just that, and that's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing mindset. I think a lot of people just don't have that kind of mindset. Like, it, you know, like, it, 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 it is easy to to hit a wall and be like, fuck man, like what, where do I go from here? Like, what do I do? And then just throw their hands up and say, well, fuck it, man. Like it's, it's too hard. Um, mm-hmm. and here you are like saying like, it is, it is hard. Like you get to that, you hit that wall. Like, fuck, this is hard, but I yeah. want more let's, get after, let's it. get after it. But I want more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just the kind of person that like internally, like I have to be able to lay my head on my pillow at night and like live with myself. You know yeah. what I mean? So right. like, I'm not that kind of person that can like do some shady shit or like, um, or even when it comes to like military awards, you already know there's a whole rabbit hole there, but like people get right. shit they don't deserve this and that to me, like, I don't care if I can put my head on my pillow at night and know that I did right by my Marines and by the core values and, and the standards that I uphold fucking award, fuck a ribbon. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I don't know where that mindset really came from, but I'm so glad that I have it because it brings me so much peace. But in that same way, it's like, I can't put my head on my pillow at night and be like, but what if I had tried it? Right. But what if I had made that phone call? What if like that's going to eat me alive? And so in a way, it's kind of like a double edged sword. Like as much as I have been afraid of things in my life, I can't not pursue them because I'll always wonder and I can't live with that. You it's definitely intrinsic for you. Yeah. 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 Um, And I think I think that's a really important thing, honestly, because, you know, uh, and and, and I think when we have intrinsic value, when we we value things internally, Right. Like it means it means a lot to me because it means a lot to me as opposed to like it means a lot to me because of what other people might think Um, when 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 it falls back on how it makes you feel or like the benefit that you that you get from it um, internally. I think that people tend to push more. Um, Well, I I, I, I don't know. It kind of depends. I guess ego plays a lot into extrinsic value, Um, but it's just kind of I don't know. I guess there's a there's a that's a whole thing. I have, to, I have to work my thoughts out on that and come back around to that at some point in my life. But um, I definitely feel like intrinsic value holds more weight um, personally than um, ex- extrinsic value or ex- external value. Like what people think, you know, my accomplishments are going to be or whatever the fuck. But absolutely. Um, yeah. So with all that being said, though, um, and I know I had mentioned this. I think I texted you about it. Um you know, uh, words of wisdom or encouragement, advice for for young women, and I kind of feel like, and I kind of feel like everything you say is words of wisdom and advice and encouragement to not only young women but like just folks in general. Like at twenty six, mind you, um, you just you're you're a very intelligent and aware person, and fuck, I wish more people were like that. <laughs> well, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, gosh, I don't know, like it's. It's hard to, to narrow it down to one thing. I know I've said that a couple of times tonight, but um, I guess it just kind of goes along with what I was saying about whatever you're afraid of, just, just do that shit anyway. Um, life is too short to be 
asking these questions of like, what if no one likes it? What if like, cause what if everyone likes it? What if it's yeah. a hit? What if it takes off? Um, you're never going to know. And, and the thing about failure is, well, I guess there's two things like the amount of people in this world that truly like genuinely give a crap about you is actually very like few. And in a way that's liberating because that means you can jack up many times over and no one's really paying attention slash no one really cares. Um, and you know, there's always those people that like, you know, some, some famous artists like, Oh, well, I went to high school with that person. It's like, you're just saying that because now they made it big, but you weren't there all those times that someone said no to their album. You weren't mm-hmm. like, there all those times that someone said, you don't got that thing that we want. Um, you're just there because now they made it. And now you want people to know you're associated with them. Yeah. And so Where I guess to bring that all back around, gym, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I get these questions too all the time. Like, well, I want to, I want to be a journal sticker. I want to do this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, are you running? Are you working out? Like, where's your passion? Are you working yeah. to be the top 1% of your MOS? Are, have you done X, Y, and Z? Um, because to me, that was the thing is like, there was, I wanted to be a drone instructor and nothing was going to stop me. Um, like I said, I reenlisted an extra half a year and waited 13 months for a seat. I could have said no after the first time that I lost my seat because of my broken elbow, but that's just not who I am. And I, was I afraid? Absolutely. I was afraid to even do the O course again after I broke my elbow, but there I was doing it in front of 200 recruits to demonstrate, you know? And so I think it really comes down to, to all of that is like, life is just too damn short. Like, would you rather be held hostage to all the what ifs, to all the opinions of these people who aren't going to stand by you anyway? Or would you rather just go do the damn thing and fulfill yourself and be able to look back and be like, I did that. My name is on that thing. My name's on this. And, and ultimately like, that's for you at the end of the day, that's for no one else. And and that's how you pave like your own journey and your own legacy. Um, you know, cause if not, like what else is this life for? So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you are incredible. Um, just going to go ahead and do put that out there. Um, Thank you. <clears throat> no, like you, um, I, and actually, so Tyree and I tend to communicate back and forth during shows. Um, just to kind of like, you know, cause we're not in the same room. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, track each other and like what we're both thinking, et cetera, and so on. And I think, uh, it's, uh, he and I both agree. Um, we love you as a guest. Um, we're fucking glad that you're here. Um, so, so happy that I came across your, your, your post on Instagram, um, and that you actually responded. So, and I'll tell you the, the reason I, I messaged your, um, author account is because it did have fewer followers and I figured there's a greater chance of you seeing it. Um, so, uh, if I had known it was the way around, whatever, but glad it worked out and, um, and, and that we were able to get this done, especially so quickly. Um, I know you're a busy woman, um, with tons of things going on and life changes and everything else. So, uh, cat, like for real, like I want to thank you, you uh, for, for, for taking the time and, and talking with us and saying all the things you said, like, I feel more motivated to go off and do all the things in my life. Just, just listening to you. Like I, you, you fuck, you may have a fucking uh, a career there. <clears throat> Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, I, I feel so fortunate to be able to, to be on with you guys and have this platform. It's a platform I haven't had before. Um, and it's, it's been great. So, you know, if y'all ever want to do it again, by all means, let me know. And, um, I think like you said, there's hours worth of things that we could probably dig into and, mm-hmm. and spread the knowledge on. Um, and yeah, definitely a good call going through my author account. That other one gets multiple hundreds of messages a day. <laughs> oh, so, I'm sure. I'm sure um, you get blown I'm, up on that one. 
Absolutely. Um, with that being said, though, you know, if anyone that's listening does want to follow those accounts, um, like Kevin mentioned, just Kat Karametros. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find my Facebook page, my website, my author Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, you know, questions, comments, reviews. Uh, I love getting like videos and pictures of people reading the books, you know, so if anyone does buy it, wants to send it my way, by all means, I don't post the photos of like the kids or anything without parental permission. I'll always ask. Um, so yeah, I guess that's just kind of my plug for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seriously guys, thank you so much for having me. I, we've been on for, I think about an hour and a half and it just flew by. So oh, yeah, yeah it was for, definitely yeah. great. Yeah. I tell you there, I mean, and not to like talk bad about, um, other people we've had on the show, but sometimes, you know, when Tyree and I record with somebody, it's like, Oh my God, this has been going on for so long. Sometimes it actually does go on for so long. I think we we have one episode time. Was it four hours we recorded with somebody? Yep, that was rough. Yeah, yeah that was rough. Like, like, yeah, it was insane. Um, <clears throat> but uh, no, an hour and a half, and I feel like we could probably continue on for God knows how long. Um, but um, I, I think I think we definitely want to save that for a later day. I, actually, I would like to talk to you as you get closer to um, what do you guys what do you guys call it, EAS? Yeah, end of active service. Yeah, um, I think I would like to talk to you again uh, when, when we get closer to that, and then obviously beyond that, like once you get into your real life. Um, so we'll 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 definitely be staying in touch. Um, and and like I've said, like I'm I'm going up to do my army job next week, um, so I'll likely be in touch with you in regards to that stuff anyway. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, Cat, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for for being here uh, and, and talking with us and sharing all of your insight and thoughts. Um, Tyree, did you did you have any ask us to do? Oh no, this was great. I'm really happy that we had you on. I want to continue to keep up with everything that you're doing when you start building boats and uh, piloting aircraft uh, <laughs> from here to <laughs> no shit, no Jamaica. shit. Um, well, thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, on that note, I'm going to close this out, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Uh, Again, please like, listen, share, subscribe. Let everyone know about your favorite podcast so we can get back to number five over the Appalachian guys. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Be peaceful. And uh, that's all we got today. <laughs>